Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. You sure are some noisy, happy people. Woo! I love that. I think our river kids are meeting back here with Miss Michelle. They have some very unique discipleship experiences planned for, uh, for our, our, our kids. So if you want to follow uh, team leader, river kids team leader, Miss Michelle, they're heading out that way right now. Uh, but again, young people, we are so grateful that you have led us in worship. Aren't, aren't you guys grateful? Yeah. The, the songs that were selected for um, our worship this morning was their favorites. That's, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so if, um, if you're thinking, you know, I wonder what our, our young people are thinking about as they worship God. Now you know. You know, they're, they're, they're just captivated by, by worshiping the Lord that way. And apparently it's contagious because you guys seem to have caught it uh, as well. Um, where's, where's Kyler go? Did, did, he, did he leave? Somebody needs to find him and tell him that, oh, there he is. We're, we, uh, we are not accepting your resignation. Just <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I don't know how many Baptist churches can say they worshiped and blew the power. You know, that, that, was, that was cool. I, I, love, I love being a part of this. Hey, uh, again, th- thank you for being here today. There are obviously lots of other places that you could have been this morning, but you chose to join us. And I want to uh, just extend a special uh, greeting. If you're, if you're here for the very first time, if you're our first time guest, uh, we'd like to get to know you uh, in a little bit more personal way. Um, we also have a gift for you. So um, when the service is over, if you We'll head down this hallway right here. You'll head into our atrium. It's kind of a glassed-in room. And to your left, there's our connection center. And our team will be there after the service. They've got a, a gift that they want to give you just to, to, to meet you face-to-face and get to know you uh, a little bit better. So I hope you'll take um, advantage of that. Uh, we're, we're glad to see uh, all of our, our, our guests. If you're a returning visitor, we're glad to have you with us. We're also really, really glad about seeing all of our regular river rats. Yeah. No, our 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 river regulars. That's what I I actually call you that. That's 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 what I call you. You know, uh, one of the things I love about this place is that you know so many people talk about the church is supposed to be like a family. That just is not the truth. The church is the family. It's it's the family of God. And uh, now, like with every family, there's some cousins that you're not really sure about, you wonder about a little bit. I've seen you look down the aisle at a couple people, you know, and it's okay. It's okay. It's the, the beauty of diversity of God's family. And one of, the, one of the wonderful things that family allows us to do is we get to, we get to be there when things are difficult, but we also get to celebrate um, just milestones. And, we, you know, we've had the opportunity to do that this summer as we celebrated uh, the milestones. Of, of seniors graduating and, and all those kinds of things. That's been fun. But we have a, uh, uh, something that we get to celebrate today. And um, normally I bring somebody up, but Mr. Tom has uh, developed a few mobility issues, so I'm going to go to him. He's going to stand up and you'll see us. Uh, Tom McGuire, if you would stand, please. <laughs> 
This is, this is my brother Tom. Many of you know Mr. Tom and Miss Kara. Kara, I'm going to ask you to stand too, please, because yeah. there's no way this would happen if it had not been for you by his side. Um, Tom has served faithfully as a deacon uh, at River Bluff for the past 16 years. Now, I, I know that you have served as a deacon in the Church of Jesus for a lot, lot longer than that. And I didn't know how to even begin counting, but um, eons, let's say, because you're like really older than dirt, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love this. I love this man. But uh, Tom and Kara have been leading our senior adult ministry for, for many years again and just blessing people. And um, recently our elders uh, were just praying and asking the Lord and, and uh, we made the decision. We felt like the Lord led us to this decision to make you a deacon emeritus. Which means you have all the rights and privileges of, of being a deacon and a deacon's wife. And you can come to all the meetings that you want to. But you have none of the responsibilities. So all the fellowship, none of the duties, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I want to read this. This is what it says. It says, in recognition of devoted Christian service, Tom McGuire, having enriched the body of Christ by faithfully serving the Lord Jesus and his church, having been observed as one full of the Spirit and of wisdom, and having served as a deacon with great distinction, is set apart as deacon emeritus by the elders of River Bluff Church, North Charleston, South Carolina, on the fourth day of March, 2019. God bless you and thank you my friend. We love you guys. I'm going to hug your wife too, okay? I'm hugging her because she sings happy birthday to me over the phone all the time. I know. I know. We're actually honoring her, but she's so humble we had to do it through you. We know, we know that. No, I've, thank you guys so very much. We love y'all. Thank y'all. All right, we are, um, yeah, we are in a series that we have t entitled Collide. We're in it. It's kind of our summer series. And we have been looking at the lives of people who had these kind of colliding encounters with the Lord Jesus and how, how everything gets, gets changed. Uh, when, when people meet Jesus face to face, their, their lives are dramatically just changed forever. And last, last Sunday, we looked at... Uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4, the account of the Samaritan woman at the well, who this is where she met Jesus for the first time, was by a well. She went there to get water, and her life was radically and forever uh, transformed when, when her hurts and habits just collided with the grace of Jesus. And I'm just going to rewind on that real quickly. We saw how the grace of Jesus in that collision delivered her from her captivity to shame and to dejection and discouragement. We saw how the grace of Jesus reset all of her regret, taking her most shameful and debilitating events from her life, transforming those emblems of shame into badges of courage, uh, badges of hope. We saw how the grace of Jesus used, was able to use her story for his glory. And he empowered her to, to actually join God in his great mission of redeeming a lost world. Now, he, he took, and, and through this transformation, took the, the most shame-filled woman in her village... And he, he took her to become the woman who introduced most of her town to the saving power of Jesus. Just because she got to the place where she would, she would un, unpack her own shame and humiliation so that other people could get connected to God's marvelous grace. And it's not, not based on what the scripture teaches us, but some of what early church historians have told us. That after, after leading her sons to know Jesus personally, they have 
eventually were some of the first missionaries to northern Africa to take the gospel there. And we learned last week they were eventually martyred for their faith. And I told you last week that there was one verse that there was a, a whole series in. But I want to do one message from it today. Kind of as their springboard. And it's the verse uh, 28. Um, and this is what it says from John 4 verse 28. It says, so the woman left her water jar. That thing that she had brought that day that would... Uh, stand for so many things in her life, left that water jar and went away back into town um, and, and, and told the people the story of her uh, in, encounter with Jesus. Now we talked a great deal about what that well looked like for her, why she couldn't come when other people were there because of her public shame. We talked about that water jar that she had to lug there every day and what that would have meant in her life. If you did, the, the message is online if you want to go back and see that. But what this, this woman got to see because she would step into this encounter with Jesus, she got to see God's power released and the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. That's, she got to see something like that. And I want us to think about that today. What, what is it like for you and me, normal people, to bring our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups to, to, to Jesus, to an encounter with him, so that we can see God's power released and we get to see the kingdom of God coming in our own lives, right, right where we live, work, and play. And today, in order to do that well, I'm going to have some other people up here helping me think through that and to give you some kind of practical imagery of what that looks like in testimony. Before I do that, I want to give you one more passage of scripture. Um, it's found in Matthew chapter 4, not, not John 4, but in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 18 through 22. I don't want to read that to you. Uh, it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he being Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. And they, these were some of the very first followers of, of Jesus. Uh, as you mostly know, they, they became kind of the inner circle of, of his disciples. And here's something that's kind of tied together. They and the woman at the well got to see God's power released in their lives. Got to see God's kingdom coming. And this morning, I, I know this. I know going into this that in some ways this is... Um, this is probably more of a reminder than new news. It's just a reminder that I think we all need to regularly be challenged on and thoughtful about um, in order to see God's power released and his kingdom coming. So I want to give you kind of two reminders to start off with in, in this message um, of, of how you can do that. If you want to see God's power coming in and or his power released and his kingdom coming um, in your life, there are two things that both the woman at the well and the disciples and so many others we'll talk about in a moment uh, had, to, had to step into. And here's the first one. To see God's power and kingdom come, you can't stay where you are. 
You just can't stay where you are. If you've, if you've one of those folks like the millions who did a study um, called uh, Experiencing God, you'll remember one of the great takeaways that so many people had was you cannot go with God and stay where you are. All throughout scripture we see people, anybody who ends up experiencing the power of God released in their lives and the kingdom of God coming into their, where they live, work and play, that, that always happened because they left where they were. They, they, they were moved. Now sometimes it's, it's location that you have to leave. But most of the time, most often, it's an attitude or a mindset that you have to let go of and leave. It means, uh, oftentimes it might mean stretching your own personal style or temperament. Getting out of your comfort, comfort zone. For instance, if, if you are a melancholy, more of an introvert, it may mean you have to step out of that a little bit and initiate new relationships. For those among us who are sanguines and cholerics, it means you're probably going to let somebody else have to talk from time to time, you know, and, and lead from time to time. Uh, but most often, what I've found is that we have to, to leave behind is our preconceived notions. We have to be willing to believe that we don't know everything about everything. Quite frankly, that we don't know much about anything. If we're going to get to see God move and do something new in our lives... And that leads me to the second reminder that I want to give this morning, and it's this. If you want to see God's power released and his kingdom come, you can't cling to anything. You, you, you just can't, you can't have a, a value greater than this desire for, for God. You've got to be willing to let go of the thing that you currently think defines you. The thing that you think makes you who you are, your source of identity, that which you think makes you secure. In some cases, that thing that is maybe even the source of your shame and hiddenness that has power over you and yet you still kind of find your identity connected to it. For the woman at the well, it was, it was that water jar in the well and she had to, she had to let go. She had to release those things. She, she had to, 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 to let those things go. One of the things she had to let go of was her constant attempt to try to be invisible. She never wanted to be noticed. That's why she went to the well, you'll remember, in the middle of the day. She didn't, want to, she didn't want to have to interact with people. She just wanted to slip through life invisibly. The disciples that we read about a moment ago, they left their nets and their boats. They left, they left their career. They left their familiar family connections. All of that had to change. And this is a pattern all throughout Scripture in both Testaments, Old and New. If you think about Abraham in Genesis 12, kind of through 21, think about Abraham. He had to leave his family. Another thing that Abraham had to let go of, he had to let go of his preconceived notion of uh, reproductive biology. You, you remember there was a point in time when he, he, he said, you know, my wife, she's, she's old, dude. You know, she's way beyond childbearing gears. And, uh, but God said, no, you guys are going to have a son. And I'm going to build many great nations out of, out of you. They didn't believe that. They had to let go of this preconceived notion that they had. Moses, uh, the story of Moses. Moses had to be willing to, to let go, leave his, his herds, leave his life of shepherding. But he also had to release something that he had been clinging to. Remember, Moses had 
murdered an Egyptian and buried him in the sand because he thought he had a way of eliminating slavery for his people. And that didn't work. And so he, he ended up being, having to flee. He thought he could combat slavery this way. But now he's having to let go of, of that, his, his system of overcoming injustice instead of God's system. He also had to let go of his fear of Pharaoh to go back into Egypt. A few weeks ago, Pastor Kurt was here and he brought a message about the healing of blind Bartimaeus. And we know that in, uh, he, he was eventually healed by Jesus. But the first thing that he had to do, remember, he was a beggar. And so he had this prominent place picked out on the road to Jericho, kind of that unique corner where there was a high traffic count. So people would come through and see a sign and hear him, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And so he could, he could make a living that way. Well, he had to leave his spot that day when he met Jesus. He had to give up that, that, that place his own identity, his, his career, he had to give that up to go and be brought into the very presence of Jesus. And so there's always, you, you got to move from where you're at. You also have to be willing to no longer cling to anything if you want to see God's power released. The Apostle Paul, uh, who we know was first named Saul, he had to no longer trust. And Paul was one of the brightest minds in Judaism. He had the PhDs of PhDs. He had to let that go. He could no longer trust in that and his ability to, 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 to be wise among his peers. He had to let go of his career. But the biggest thing that he had to let go of was his preconceived prejudices about non-Jews. Had he not let go of those things, he could have never become the great apostle Paul to the Gentile nations, to the rest of the world. All of those were, were they, they saw God's power release, they saw God's kingdom coming, and they, they were able to go with God. And it cost them, but they would no longer cling to those things. We have lots of members of our River family who willingly do that on a regular basis. And I want you to meet some who this past summer, uh, well not this past because it's not past yet, but it has passed uh, a little bit where they were. Our mission serve team, if you guys would start making your way up here please. Um, come quickly, don't wait on the others. Everybody move fast, there you go. Um, th these are some of our seniors from our mission serve team. And they went on mission this summer. Brandon, I don't know what mic number. Yes, I do. This is, looks like it's mic number 11. I'm going to ask you guys to grab a stool and kind of pull those stools up uh, a little more front. And I'm going to hand you another mic. Adrian, I'm going to start down here with you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go down the line, starting here with Adrian, and introduce yourself uh, by name to, uh, to your family here. I'm Adrian. I'm Julia. Okay, slow, slow your roll. You have a last name. Let's, let's make some, some We're new. We're both Harrises. They're, bo they're brother and sister, okay? Uh, I'm Emma Hurd. Uh, Dallas Hicks. Um, you guys went to Mission Serve, uh, you've been back, what, three weeks now, two weeks, something like that? Uh, okay, about a month. Um, how many from uh, River Bluff went this year? Any, any estimation? 
think around 30. That was my guess, Some, somewhere around in the neighborhood of 30. Where, where did y'all go? Where, where did you serve this year? We went, to, we went to Fair Bluff, North Carolina, which is the second poorest county in North Carolina. Okay, so just kind of across the border in North Carolina. Now, um, between World Changers and Mission Serve, tell us what year this was for you. Was this your first year, your second year, your third year going on one of these mission trips? So I did one year at World Changers, and this is my second year at Mission Serve. Okay. Same for me. Um, I did one year at World Changers, and this is my second year at Mission Serve. This is my. Oh, this was my first uh, mission serve, and uh, I'm pretty new, so it was very good. <laughs> yeah, this is my first mission serve too. Um, Emma, raise your hand, Emma. Some of you got, you won't recognize her because she cut all her hair off recently. Um, but Emma was the young lady that was baptized in the ocean that we celebrated um, back in February. Yeah, yeah. So that, that just, again, so you kind of make connections to the story. Because she doesn't look anything like she did that day. Um, and, uh, but, uh, so what, what I want to ask you guys is th really two questions. And I want each of you to kind of answer into this. Dallas, I'm going to start with you. What... Um, what did you see God do around you in your week of mission surf? What, what, what did you get to see? God's power being released, God's kingdom coming because you went. What did you get to see? Well, I saw a lot of things happen, but the one thing that really stood out to me was just how everybody came and just started trusting the Lord more and more throughout the whole week. Mm. Okay. Emma? Um, so... When I was there uh, during the week, two of the people in the squad that I was assigned to uh, came to Christ, and that was very, very cool um, just to be a part of. Uh, and later, I would get to find out that it was because we, well, one of them was because we shared our stories, and it was really impactful. So um, for me, it was really just noticing that um, anytime you go into speaking, um, of Jesus speaking of, of love and his what he's done like it, it just never falls on deaf ears any anything that you say about it um, someone's gonna pick up on on something about it whether it is like a little thing and you don't think that anyone's gonna hear you or notice or maybe you're anxious about it which I was <laughs> but um, definitely they'll always hear something and sometimes that is what changes lives Amen. Um, this year at Mission Serve, um, our theme was daring, and um, I definitely saw a lot of that, uh, especially one day um, at our work site, um, we decided to kind of go evangelize, and we wanted to go next door and talk to the neighbors, and um, uh, when we first said hello, they were, it was kind of hard to speak to them because they only spoke Spanish, so that was kind of difficult to kind of um, share with them why we were there and kind of... Um, who Jesus is, but uh, eventually um, we had some people come visit us from uh, um, the band members from Mission Serve and different people like that, and one of them was able to help us communicate, and so we um, ended up telling them about why we were there, and uh, the one of the guys actually came back and helped us out and started um, working on the roof with us, and then a little bit later we ended up going back to their house and um, played Duck Duck Goose with some of their children, so that was a really good time and uh, fun to love on them. 
Um, so something that God showed me that, that week that we were there, um, he showed me a lot, but one thing that really stuck out to me is um, on Sunday when our crew went to a church that sponsored us for the week, um, the, guy, the preacher, he spoke on what is the difference between being a, um, a servant and a volunteer. And you know, everybody says, oh, well, this person has a servant's heart, and oh, who wants to volunteer and help do this? And really, he said, okay, we should get rid of the word volunteer because a volunteer is on their own time. They come in, they do their work, and then they just leave. And that's their job. And the servant, they come in, they do their work, and they stay there until everything is done, plus even more. And God, and he said something that really stuck out to me as well. He said, is he said God never says the word in the Bible being a volunteer. He always says, come serve, be my servant, serve with me, you know, X, Y, and Z. So that's something that stuck out with me. Okay. Well, though, I mean, we, we love getting to hear what God was doing around you that week. I know that you guys fixed lots of houses. I know that there were a lot of homeowners that were very, very grateful. I know that um, it really, we, we had this really cool two and a half minute video to show you. Um, don't, don't you, aren't you grateful to know what you don't get to see today? I, I'm, I'm going to post the link on, uh, on the realm so that you can get to it. But uh, it's a really cool, uh, just the, the shock, literally, that the, the, the news reporter had when he found out that not only do these young people give a week of their time, but they pay to go. And uh, so they have to take off work and all those kinds of things. And then, and I know some of you are saying, I'm their parent. I paid for them to go. Okay. That, that's cool. But some of them, they, they had skin in the game. Okay. And uh, they, if, you've, if you've never been in an environment like that working on roofs in the middle of the summer, um, it is a great joy, but it is a great challenge. And uh, they, they made a lot of sacrifice. But that sacrifice, I know, paid off uh, because of the joy of the Lord that all of you have uh, from that, that week. But what what did God do in you, um, in you personally, not around you, not in, you know, the people that in, in our youth group and those kinds of things, but what did God do in you that you look at and think, you know, I'm changed because of that? Um, since watching that progress through the week where everybody kept just trusting in the Lord more and more, that really inspired me to just start trusting in him a lot more with the smallest decisions in life. I just say, I trust you, God, and I put my faith in him and let it run its course. Before you go on, uh, for those of you that may or may not know, uh, Dallas leaves uh, for basic training in the U.S. Navy when? November 25th. November 25th. Yeah, yeah. That, that lesson, that lesson that God taught you was for you for that reason. You're going to be away from home and you're going to need to trust in God like you never have before, baby. Okay? And so we're going to be praying for you. Okay? But that, that, that God was setting the stage for that for you, man. That's good stuff. Emma. Actually, while we were uh, on mission serve, one of the uh, women from our uh, like sponsor church gave him a like a little headphone Bible, so that was really cool. <laughs> um, for me, uh, definitely it was a time to um, abandon the the things that I came with like anxieties and um, preconceived ideas of being comfortable <laughs> because that um, wasn't, wasn't the setting and I definitely needed to step way outside of my comfort zone in order to um, do things that I didn't, uh, I just got to witness. Like I wasn't, um, 
being me, I was just kind of letting things happen, and it was uh, beautiful to see what God does in other people's lives when that happens, because I know that it was really important for me when I got baptized, so to watch other people um, be saved was just really, really beautiful. Um, <laughs> yes, and also, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows, but um, I come here pretty much alone all the time. I mean, I'm not alone, but I... I don't bring my parents because they're not very um, religious, as they would say, but when I went there uh, on this mission trip and I just got to um, feel the just the beauty of everything, um, I really noticed that, that it never falls on deaf ears, so I went home and I got to talk to my parents and they are um, opening up to me. Um, so mm. because of that, I feel like I am getting really close to the people that I I love, and um, it's impacting me more than just that week. So, Amen. yeah. Amen. Um, this week, I feel like um, God kind of really challenged me and encouraged me to walk by blind faith. Um, I think a lot of times it, that's what we're doing, walking by blind faith, especially when we're um, witnessing to people um, and trying to share more about him. Um, this, this particular mission serve, I uh, had to go through a lot of my um, firsts, I guess. Um, this was my first time going on a roof, which was definitely very scary. <laughs> um, I think the ladder was more scary, honestly, but yeah, <laughs> all of that together. Um, it was also my first time being on the news and kind of sharing about what Mission Serve was about and why we were there working on a roof in like the middle of the summer when it was so hot. And um, it was really crazy to kind of have that pressure put on me to um, witness to a very big crowd um, that would watch that news station. And I think, um, and it, it was also one of my first times sharing my story about how I came to Christ. And um, I think just um, having God work through all of my anxieties and just my um, different expectations that may have not been met when I was trying to um, share Christ with others. That was really cool to have him just bring me peace and um, have him speak through me instead of my words coming out and relying on him was pretty insane. <laughs> it was really cool. So during that week, God uh, made me realize a couple of things. One is that there are, on, on your street or on any street, there are tons of people who need to be talked to. Um, our last day that we were there, we had about 10 of us on our crew, and we went on and spoke to about five or six people, and we spoke to a Muslim family, we spoke to a Hispanic family, we spoke to... Um, a just family that just didn't believe and we spoke to a little boy and he came to accept Christ that week and um, so just on, on one random street in the world that there are five or six different people that just need to hear the gospel and um, and also that he made me realize and he showed me that there are there's he showed me a way to pray um, during the Sunday that we were there um, he 
the pastor, his son, he's 23 years old, autistic. He can't read or write, but and the, the pastor's wife came and told us, he's like, she said, when you see him on stage worshiping, you won't even think about any of that. And that was so true. He, in his Bible, when his dad was speaking, he was highlighting, he was saying, yes, amen, preach it. Just he was, he was so caught up in what his dad was saying. And during the week when they came and gave us, uh, got us, brought us lunch, um, he was asked to pray. And, you know, he, you wouldn't even think that he was autistic or anything like that because of just, he just prayed. He poured out his heart and he just said, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he just said, thank you for giving my mom a job. Thank you for these people. And just, he knew exactly what he wanted to say. And so um, just seeing him be like that makes me want to um, not necessarily be a better person or anything, but just kind of you know, grow closer in my faith and grow closer in the way that I pray and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, well, I, I want you guys to just thank them for uh, sharing their stories. And I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you guys so very, very much. I'll take those. Thank you. If I don't fall down, that is. I want to uh, share one more thought with you um, uh, that I, I think kind of comes naturally on the heels of um, if you're wanting to see the power of God released and his kingdom coming in your life uh, because they talked about this. And that is you cannot rely on your own strength and strategies. You, you're just not going to be able to rely on your, just what, what, what you think of as your strengths. You're going to have to operate in your weakness in order for God's power to be released in you. And then you get to really see something incredible coming. I can think of tons of biblical illustrations. Uh, none of them really sticks out as probably dramatically, although there are several. But the, the, the story of Joshua, General Joshua, uh, before he became the, the next leader of the uh, nation of Israel after Moses passed off the scene, he was the general. He commanded the armies uh, of God. And he had a success record that was incredible. And he comes to this place called Jericho. Now, this is a man who was battle-hardened. He knew how to get the job done. Uh, he knew exactly what to do. He, he, knew, he knew his strengths. He knew the strengths of his armed forces. He knew his strategies that had worked uh, in prior engagements. And now they come to this giant walled city called Jericho. And Kyler, God said, put the praise team out front. Now, I love our praise team. But if we're going into armed conflict, you know. Now, if we're going to fight a spiritual battle, I want them out front. You know. But they were going into armed conflict. And so God gives a completely off-the-wall strategy Never a battle plan like it before or since that was successful. And, and, and they followed through. But in order to do that, Joshua had to lead a, a people. And I mean, he had to lead the entire armed forces to say, we're not going to do it like we've ever done it before. You cannot rely on your strengths and your strategy if you want to see the power of God release and the kingdom of God coming. You, you, can't, you can't do it. 
Dave, I'm going to ask you if you would to head on up here. Where are you? There's Dave. Come on up. Um, Dave recently led a team back into uh, Cuba. And this, uh, Dave went in and they, 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 they went in with a plan in mind. And tell us how quickly that plan unraveled. Well, originally we had a team of four who were scheduled to participate on this uh, mission trip. And um, about a month before, one of the men had to drop out because of uh, work issues, which, were, which was a good thing for him. Um, and then that left three of us, so we were set. We had a, a plan to go to central Cuba, uh, an area in Cuba that I had never been before. But uh, two days prior to us leaving on the trip, uh, one of the other gentlemen had to drop out because his 98-year-old father had become seriously sick and he um, rightly took the responsibility of staying home and, and helping his family. And so we, we had to make a last-minute decision uh, about a day before. Now, his, his, he had a unique role on the team. What was that? What was he going to do? Uh, well, this gentleman um, is a part of our River Bluff family, David Palmer. He's the dean of business at CSU. And we were going in... Um, specifically to meet with some uh, small business owners in Cuba who are uh, Christians and to see and understand what that looks like to have a small business in Cuba and to use that to help the church so that they're not dependent on churches in the U.S. to provide the finances and resources on a continual basis. And so David was an integral part of uh, this trip. He was to speak um, at uh, a seminary graduate he was to to go and to do some other speaking as we um, held a conference with our sister church in Bayamo. We were going to take a group of us, including the businessmen, east to Bayamo and have a conference there. And when um, he was no longer able to go at, at the last minute, our plans changed completely. We weren't able to travel to Bayamo. Uh, he wasn't able to go in and experience the, the small businesses. And so so we believed, uh, the other gentleman, James Valance and myself, believed that God had opened the door for us to go. He had provided the religious visas. We had a, a really good airfare allowing us to fly into Cuba. And so we thought, well, the plans have changed, but we're going to continue on because God's still in this. And what happened? I mean, once you, once you got there, just kind of the, the, the blessing that came in the midst of having to forsake your strengths and strategies. Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, we found out that um, God actually had much better plans than we had. So we, we went, and it was just the two of us. We went, we met with these Christian uh, businessmen. We saw that they had actually formed uh, a business alliance to not only help their church, but other churches uh, carry out this vision. And um, when we first got there, James had a um, telephone that he could call and use in Cuba. And he said, hey, the pastors from Biomo just got a hold of me and said they're actually coming to central Cuba to meet with us. And so Pastor Oriol and his wife Elina from uh, our sister church, Seventh Baptist Biomo, 
traveled by bus, about seven hour trip I believe, to central Cuba to the town of Placetas where we were and, and they spent a weekend with us during our time there. And it was uh, a beautiful thing because they were actually able to sit down with us and with the, the business owners in, in the house of one of the businessmen and they were able to hear the vision and all the business owners all of a sudden showed up that, that afternoon and they were all sharing the vision of why they're doing what they're doing. They were talking about their businesses. We went all together and got to visit a couple of the businesses that these men had um, started. And it was really great to see God's working in and through this because after that afternoon, Elina turned to me and she said, Dave, do you really think this is possible for us? Do you think this is a good plan? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is the way to go. And um, we went to dinner that night with Oriole and Elina and we were talking to them and, and I could see Elina wasn't really paying attention. So I said, hey, what's, what's going on? She said, I can't stop thinking about business. I, I have a plan to open up a store and I thought wow God you're, you're already going ahead of where where we're wanting to be and so it was just uh, amazing to see God's plans uh, unfold and um, to see how he had already gone ahead and, and started working in their hearts and their minds and to uh, help us carry out our vision of being partners with the churches in Cuba, but not developing that relationship of dependency where we're continually bringing in financing and resources. So um, it was great to just be a part of what God was doing. So we're, we're going to be going back in in the days ahead uh, with Cuba. And so anyone who serves or works in the business community um, could, could go and be an encouragement. Uh, to our brothers and sisters there in Bayamo, and um, we've got a trip planned. When when's the next trip going in? Our next trip is planned for November 13th through 20th of this year, and um, there's a little bit of urgency to this because you have to apply for the religious visas three months in advance, and and so we are needing to apply for the religious visas by the end of this month. And so if there's anybody who would like to participate on this trip, whether you're a businessman or not, experiencing and being a part of uh, our sister churches there in Cuba is wonderful. One of the things as I talked with uh, Oriol and Elina, they just had VBS. They had 80 kids at their church. <laughs> this is a, a church of probably 75 people, but they had 80 kids for VBS. And God did some wonderful things there. They just did a family um, retreat and they took 70 people from their church on this retreat and uh, ministered to them through God's word. So just being a part of that and experiencing what God is doing through our sister churches in Cuba is an amazing experience. And so uh, I would love to have some of you from the River Bluff family participate on this next trip, um, but you need to let me know soon, like this next week, uh, so that we can get uh, the information in for the religious visas. All right. Thank you, Dave, so very, very much. Appreciate it. Y'all well, thank Dave for sharing. One of the, uh, one of the things that I know some of you are saying, 20, today's the 28th, Joe, Dave. And we got to have this in by the end of the month, you know. Well, here's, here's one of the ways that the Lord works. 
He works on his timetable, not yours. And so if the Lord prompts you to go, you know, the encounter with the woman at the well with Jesus immediately sent her back into her village to tell what happened. And so if the Holy Spirit's prompting you today to go to Cuba, he will take care of the details. He won't take care of the details the way you think he will. But he will take care of the details. You just got to quit trying to operate in your strengths and strategies. Because he's got, he's got something so much better for you. So much better. And he wants to see, uh, he wants you to see his power release, his kingdom coming into your life. And so, you know, we, we, we know a couple of things. We, you, can't, you can't continue to cling to anything if you want to see God's power release, his kingdom coming. You can't rely on your own strength and strategies. And as we started out saying, you can't stay where you are, which means you've got you've to engage somewhere. You've got you to step out somewhere. Um, if, you were, if you were on our, our traveling VBS team to Destiny, would you raise your hand? Okay, we, we've got some spread out. Th th this team left the comfort of River Bluff, went into the inner city part of North Charleston this week and, and led VBS for a church that's struggling, a church plant that's struggling to have enough, uh, an, enough not volunteers, but servants. Enough, ser thank you for that word. Enough servants to uh, go and, and lead kids to come to know Jesus through VBS. That's, that's a way that you could step into an opportunity. They, they, they heard the Lord call them in that opportunity. There's Low Country Cares. It is, it is a, a ministry locally that meets over on our other campus that works with the poor. You can engage there. You can see the power of God released in your life and the kingdom coming as you serve the poor and help meet their needs. We have people in our church who are engaged with another ministry partner called Water Missions. I hope you're continuing to pray for the leadership there. Um, it, it's been a rough, rough couple weeks for them. But th they do global work taking water into places where um, people are dying because they don't have clean drinking water. And you can be a part of changing the world that way. We have a partner of, uh, of Low Country Pregnancy Center. You can engage there. Uh, we, we, I recently did a uh, an application reference for um, Rosie who, who is going over there to, to be a servant uh, at the Low Country Pregnancy Center. There's our, our, our missions partner Doors to Freedom locally that you can engage in to help stop human trafficking and, and, and encourage those who are coming out. Uh, this week, I, I had the wonderful privilege of, of getting to serve with, uh, we, we call our college and career age group The Gathering. And I had this, this, this weekend, we had a special weekend set aside, and it, I, it, it just does my heart good when young people let old people like me hang out with them. And, um, you know, I was, as I was listening to Julia talk about um, her experience at, at Mission Serve and overcoming her fear of ladders and, and roofs, um, some of you will need to ask Julia about her, uh, her, her most recent roof event um, this past Thursday when she literally stepped through a roof. Um, we, we, we got to serve. Angela McJunkin helped us connect with a gentleman in our own area of accountability right down the street here whose uh, mobile home was, is, is literally, literally falling down around him. 
And all we, we did, all we were able to do at the time was just cover it so that no more water would get in. Because, I mean, literally he had buckets all over um, where he's catching water to try to prevent uh, further damage. And uh, his name is Mr. James. I just encourage you to pray for Mr. James because we, I think we're going to have an opportunity to continue to minister to him in, in the days ahead. Um, but they, they let me serve there and then they let me serve with them yesterday. Our, the, the gathering was, um, they went back to, uh, to, to serve with another partner uh, that we have. Um, and I've just forgotten the name of that Fresh Start, thank you. Um, Fresh Start ministry that helps transition those who are coming out of prison back into uh, civilian life. And uh, we had a great time there serving with them yesterday and serving alongside them. And uh, it, it's just one more way that you can, you can leave where you're at and go see the power of God released, getting to see his kingdom come. And you can do that uh, just as simply as walking through your neighborhood as Adrian was challenging us to so think about what God is doing all around. One way that you can get involved is, uh, is through our partnership at um, Oak Brook Elementary School. And you, you don't even have to leave our building today to get involved in that. You can go get you an apple. And what an apple is, it just represents a teacher or a staff member who we, we help provide um, needs that they have in their classroom. So we kind of fulfill their wish list. And you can walk right down this same hallway that I told our first time guests. You can turn right instead of continuing on and go into our, our ministry center. And you can take an apple and you can buy supplies to encourage a teacher and help them and help us continue to grow uh, in our relationship of taking the gospel to Oak Brook Elementary School. All, all of these are just examples. There are tons of other ways and, and, and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what you can engage in with him to, to, to share the gospel. I, I, I loved, just loved Julia talking about it up here a moment ago about sharing her story for the very first time. You have a story if you're in Christ. When's the last time you shared yours with somebody else? Somebody that's far from God but close to you. When, when's the last time you shared your story, your personal story of Jesus transforming your life? Because as God's people, that's a call. And, and there's nothing that releases the power of God. And there's no greater way to see the kingdom come than when you share your story and somebody responds to the gospel of Jesus. So we, we need to be sharing our stories. But the, the, the best way, and I want us to leave with this thought today. The best way for us to see God's power released and his kingdom coming is allowing our lives to be modeled after our Lord Jesus's. And I want to show you through scripture what that life looked like again. Just a reminder. Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Says this starting in verse 6. Though he was God... Jesus was all God. He was all man. He was all God. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. You can't cling to anything, folks. Jesus didn't cling to that right that he had. He didn't cling. Instead, he gave up. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He left where he was. To come to where you are. He left there. 
says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Nobody, nobody else would think of, I'm going to give up my strength to win the world. Everybody else would think the way you win the world is you get, you know, you get a big platform and a big microphone and you, you, a big show. And Jesus put all of that down. He didn't go by human initiative or strategy or structure. He didn't even come in his own strength. The Bible said he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus left where he was. He left the glory of heaven. He, he let go of, of that power so that God's powerful grace could flow through him. Jesus let it go. He didn't cling to any of his privileges. And he didn't do that so that you and I could join him and be part of his glorious eternal kingdom. Je Jesus was the most counterintuitive strategist there was. He gave up his strength. He became weak. He gave up his position of power to become a servant of everyone. And through his actions... Through Jesus' actions of humility, the greatest power in the universe got released. Resurrection power. Resurrection power got released because of what Jesus did. The power to bring... See, it's, it's one thing to speak and something come from nothing. That's creation power. Resurrection power is taking dead things and putting life back in it. That, that's even a, a greater power. You know, there, there are physicists and scientists out there, they're, they're looking for the God particle because they think there's power in it. There's power in the resurrection, people. That's where, that's where the power is. And all through Jesus, the Bible tells us that's why God gave him the name. The name that's above every other name. So that at that name, one day every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord of all. And you can do that today. You can confess that that's the truth today. And you can walk out of this building telling others that's the truth today. Let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name giving thanks to you for your goodness. Given thanks to you, dear Jesus, that you showed us the way. That you showed us that we, we can't cling to anything. We have to let go if we want to see the power of God released in our lives and the kingdom coming. We can't stay where we are. We have to go with God. We have to step out into something new. And we cannot operate in our own strengths and strategies any longer. We have to come by faith. Like, like Dallas said earlier, God, we have to become those people and get to the place where we will trust you. Instead of our own devices, instead of our own training, instead of anything, God, we come to trust you. And so as your people, we just need to be reminded today. Because I believe everybody in this building came today desiring to see, God, your power released into our lives, to see your kingdom coming, so that like the woman at the well, God, we could be transformed again and again and again by the glory of the power of the resurrection of Jesus.
And so we come to, to celebrate as we close our time together. We come to celebrate that name that is above every other name. We come now to worship through giving back to you, O oh God, that which is yours, your tithes and our offerings because we can trust you, God. We know it's counterintuitive to give 10% of what you have blessed us with. But we also know, God, that that's where we get to see your power released in our finances and your kingdom come. And so we give generously to your work. To move the mission, your mission, God, of world redemption ahead and forward. So, God, we pray that you will take what we give and bless it. Father, we pray now that we would no longer see ourselves as just volunteers, but we would also sacrifice our time as servants, God. Serving your, your good pleasure, serving your work. And that we would do it all because of Jesus. Because of that beautiful name of Jesus. And it's for his sake and for his glory that we pray. And we worship that beautiful name now. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.